and welcome to season three of Two By Guys. I am Rob. And I'm Alex. Yes, you did it. We didn't even yes. practice that. I'm Rob, you're Alex, and we're back for season three. How about that? Yeah. I can hardly believe yeah. it. Can you believe it? It's been a while since uh, since we've said that, those words in that order. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It was it's a lot a of time, but it's, it was a lot of time between episodes last season uh, due to this, that that thing that happened last year that shall not be named. yes the no. thing uh yeah. and i've and i've like barely seen you in the last two years since the pandemic i mean virtually we've seen yeah. each other but it's it's weird we used to see each other like every week at by request and now i think i saw you once in the pandemic in la we met at griffith park we met yeah. met up there and it was like really nice to see you in person and then that was probably like a year ago. When was that? Last September? Jeez. Yeah, that was no, uh, even longer. No? That was like it last was like before uh, the summer. Early summer. Yeah. Late spring. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like May. Yeah, oh. it's just been like a really, really long week since then. Um, so how <laughs> how have you been lately? What's new with you? How's life as we're kind of coming out of this thing that shall not be named, which we kind of are. We might be going yeah, where we kind it, of are. But we're kind of coming out of we'll it. leave it unnamed <laughs> we'll leave it unnamed we we are shifting into a new phase of life um yeah no things are things are shifting for the better as i think and hope for for everybody um to some degree um yeah it's been an exciting year and also like a really like hard year i think for a lot of people uh myself included um but yeah this summer has brought out some some like revitalization that was much needed i think um yeah for mm-hmm. me uh, i know i had like a very hard winter and spring with like i had a couple of deaths in the family unfortunately uh including yeah. my father and it was just sorry about that um yeah it was just like a lot but uh yeah yeah also has kind of lent uh lent itself to a whole lot of reflection that has just been like good in other ways too mm-hmm. yep yeah, it has been a, quite a year of reflection, or more than a year. Uh, yeah, like pause, take stock, kind of time, and evaluate what we all want going forward, hasn't it? Yeah, well, and I think uh, I don't know if we've said this to each other at any point in the last year or so, but it's also um, been really evident to me that like the conversations we've had on this podcast and and all of these these conversations about bisexuality and intimacy, especially. Um, it's sort of at a standstill at various points in the last year and a half in my like own life. Right. Um, which I think is natural, right? Because we're, we're seeing less of people. We're having less experiences in, in those ways. Right. Um, so it's also been very interesting, um, to, to think back on that and also very exciting to like, feel like that's not the case as, as the summer has been progressing, that we're starting to kind of re-enter the world again like we used to be um Mm -hmm. and a good Mm -hmm. time to start season three yes exactly well i was just gonna say i think that's very true in a way like my bi education and immersion and community was sort of like stalled and put on hold and like you know i didn't get that feedback from by request once or twice a month where i'd meet a new person who had a new perspective or learn something new Although by request yep. does continue virtually, you should all come. It's great. Open to everyone. And I do learn stuff at the virtual ones, but but not quite in the same way. You're not really like immersed in the same way. But um, another thing that I have noticed like the last few months is 
people are still discovering this podcast and reaching out to our social medias. And, you know, it may not be new to us now, the stuff that we talked about on season one, but it is still new and vital for a lot of people as thank you for writing in. A lot of people have just written in and that really, and, and told us like how much this has meant to them or how seen they feel or like how it's helped them come out and not to toot our own horn. There's anyone talking about this stuff is, is contributing to this and is doing great work. But, but the messages have still come even like this month, you know, every, every month that we've been stalled, the messages come in and that has sort of encouraged me and us to, to continue this and keep going. Cause I think that, you know, we've talked about a lot, but we've kind of barely scratched the surface in a way. Cause I think the more you dig, the more, the more there is. So by, by 3.0 this year, we're going to do some 3.0 topics that are like so complicated Nobody even understands it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we've had a couple of episodes where we're just scratching the surface at right. a specific topic, right? Like I remember right. a conversation um, and we won't get into it today, but like asexuality and, and like my own sexuality at that and, and experiences of others in the spectrum, like we had like a, a 10 minute conversation or something along uh-huh. those lines, right? Um, but it has been something that I've I've been thinking a lot more, not solely about myself, but in respect to to just a broader uh, ACE community. Um, Good. So yeah, that's on my, I am excited. That's on my agenda for today. We're, we're going to come back to yeah. that because th- th- I want to talk about that a Love little. Love it. I mean, we'll only scratch the surface again for a few minutes because we got a lot yeah. to do today. But that's, Well, it sounds like we'll we'll be able to get to some some questions that folks have sent in a little bit later on yes. too, um, we'll which to your point, um, getting those kinds of, yeah, seeing those answers, uh, those questions come in has been, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to like feel like we can engage in in conversation with uh, with the the worldwide by community a little bit again. Indeed, indeed. Um, and and I've been good since I last saw you. Things are nice. I'm my writing's going pretty well. Uh, I got married since the last episode to my partner Moxie Pung, yeah. former former producer of this podcast. Um, I love Moxie very much. We survived the pandemic together. It was really nice to have have each other through all that yeah so that's that's the biggest change for me and it's also interesting because i started this bi oral history project about bi men who are married to women i started it last summer during the pandemic i was unmarried and and like you know really wondering about what it's like to be married what you know how do these men navigate this and the project's Mm. going great i'm continuing it i'm actually turning it into a book proposal and i'm trying to pitch it uh, like that. It's ongoing. I may reach out to more of you who have written in to me to interview. Hopefully I'll get this book deal. Um, But I don't know, something I just, I guess have been thinking about is like, you know, it it didn't change everything in a day. I don't know if there's like a bi thing, but it's, it made me realize that like even something binary, like being married is actually kind of a spectrum. And yes, the label is married, but like you know, our, our relationship is just shifting. And I don't know, it just, it, it just goes to show that a label of a relationship is, does not necessarily tell you everything about it. Like, it's just been an interesting experience to, to dive into something like coming out as bi that like, I imagined changes things, but actually when you're inside of it, like you, you shift the way you want to shift. You don't shift when ways you don't want to shift. Like, it's been nice to experience that and to get an understanding yeah. of that. 
Willing to, like, not be bound by that label any more than you're bound by any other label that we've talked about here. So, yeah. Right, exactly. Sounds very on-brand for Rob. Very much, yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, So, we're a couple weeks after Pride, but that was, like, a big, big milestone in our lives for multiple reasons, I think. Uh, For me, one of the big reasons was because it was the first time I was, like, going to go out and be in places with lots of people, um, potentially without a mask. Uh, but, but before I get into that, how, how was your pride this year? What was it like for you? I'll briefly speak to the fact that last pride, ironically, I, I went to the queer liberation March and that was kind of like my one outing. Um, Do you mean lockdown pride? Last pride is in like yeah. lockdown pride. Okay. Yeah. Well, because it uh-huh. wasn't, it was different. It was like pro, very protest and it, I was not right. there for very long, but yeah, it was like, a, I had also just come back to the city. So it was uh, strange to then go from that and kind of defy all of the, the, the mandates that were sort of out there in, in a sense that I mm-hmm. will defend as, as safe within reason. Um, but outdoor uh, outdoors yeah, with a mask, I think was safe and protesting is yes, something we must exactly. do. It's as important, at, you know, it's very important. Yeah. And, and it, I and went it to a bunch of protests last summer. I felt pretty safe. Yeah, exactly. And that, that march specifically was like a, a specific uh, collaboration between Black Lives Matter and Pride in, in mm-hmm. the ways that, that I think we just needed as, as a community. So that was that was worthwhile. Um, cool. This year was like less so. This year was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I speak to last year because it's it's probably more enjoyable to to hear about. But uh, um, no, this year I actually had like a very like content pride personally. Um, that content pride just meant not going out at all. I I very much overlooked all of the the standard pride events, um, and I didn't even really. I, I probably saw more of like my empty apartment than any other month in a long time, actually. Um, but I want to make sure that that's like that with that being said, it's, it's framed that like I work with LGBTQ youth every day. I work with LGBTQ people at the Trevor project every day. Um, and for me, I think, uh, the last year we were said it before, but it's, it's led to a lot of reflection. And I think for me this year in a time when folks have, um, not to be a downer, but, but I think it's worth stating that like folks, LGBTQ folks, have been struggling at higher levels in the past year than, than ever before in my lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. by certain measures, by certain metrics, um, and specifically in regards to mental health, right? Like mental health and and mental illness rates have, have skyrocketed this year in ways that needed to be acknowledged. And I think for me, it was really important to allow my colleagues who wanted to, to enjoy pride, go enjoy pride. And in uh, like, advocate for everybody to go do that um and for me personally to lend as much time and service to the the people who were just um deserving of a pride and maybe couldn't access a pride because of their own um mental health state or um their youth like how how does a 14 year old enjoy the month of june it's Mm -hmm. it's not the same right a 14 year old bi guy is not going to be able to enjoy pride in the same way so um yeah, so I don't want it. It felt that like the, I had a bad pride because I think I I just had like a very um more mindful kind of celebration for myself. But yeah, cool. Well, yeah, pride yeah. is like a double edged sword. I mean, if you're in a if you're in a place to celebrate it, that's great, and that's what it's for. 
And if you're not, it, exactly. it can almost be like worse to see that going on when you're not in the space to celebrate it. And so, I don't know. I think yeah. I think that's great that that's what you did because like you're you're in that space and you can provide support and comfort for for people like that through your work and in other ways. And so, uh, you know, we, we don't have to like go 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 all the time and like celebrate celebrate all the time like. It's, it's good yeah. that you just listened to yourself and what you were ready for and, and how you could give back, too. Yeah, so you defy cool. the, the label of marriage and I'll defy, like, the bounds of what we consider pride, you know? Yeah, there yeah, 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 exactly. Well, while you were providing support, I was in a crowded, sweaty dance hall with a bunch of shirtless men. It was lovely. Okay. Um, no, I so, <laughs> I mean... I did the Queer Liberation March two years ago. My first Pride was three years ago. I was in the real March, the Pride. It was crazy. There were so many people. Last year, I did absolutely yeah. nothing. I don't think I went. I, I don't even think I was in New York for Pride last year. I, I can't remember. And then this year, it sort of coincided with the time that I was feeling ready and comfortable to go out again. Like I was vaccinated in April. And I started seeing friends and seeing people in small groups, but I had not like been to a bar without a mask. I had not been to a club and everyone was planning. All my friends were planning to do that kind of stuff on pride. So I was like, okay, this is going to be it. This is like the test. We're going to try it. I think that Friday we went to a bar that had like 50 people in it. And I went inside with no mask and for like a minute it was weird. And then I got very used to it and it was like, it was like it always used to be, and it was super fun, and it was great. Uh, and then I had like a rest day. I hung out with some friends in the park, although that didn't really turn out to be very restful because it's still social interaction time. At the end of this weekend, I was like dead from social interaction. I realized after a year and a half of not seeing yeah. many people, like even sitting in a park with five people is a lot of social interaction. But not to mention... Yeah. The last night of the weekend, I think Sunday, I went to something called Pride Palooza, I think, at, at $3 Bill, this like club in Brooklyn. And it was great. We had a great time. But it was a lot. It was big. There were thousands of people. And at first, everything was outdoors. They had this big outdoor space and a DJ and everything. But then I didn't realize at 10 p.m., like they can't be outside anymore i guess noise or something so so everything kind of moved inside and we we tried dancing inside it was like packed like shoulder to shoulder most people had their shirts off it was very male like it was a fun party and it was kind of queer but it was like male gay male dominated um there was some gender fluidity more than i've seen at some of these parties but like not as much as i've seen at others um and it was it was very intense in there i think i spent about 10 minutes at the indoor dance floor and then just like went back outside and chatted with people um but it was fun it was good it was like nice to be with a bunch of queer people um although when i was outside talking to someone i met that night a friend of my partner um they i said i was bi at one point i think i was wearing like a bi headband or something maybe and uh, they commented on it. Oh, is that the pie flag? And I was like, yeah. And then he was like kind of being nice and supportive. He was trying. But then he said something like, 
oh, do you find it easier like to be by or something like that? And I was, I was like, in my head, I was like, no, no, <laughs> like people don't, people think that by privilege is easier. Like, cause I could just be with a woman if I wanted to be. And so that's easy, but like, no, it's not easy. It's, it's very complicated and there's no models for it. That's why we do this podcast. Yeah. And like, it's, it, you know, it's it's hard it's hard but all i said was like i don't think of it that way like i just am by like it's not i'm not by because it's easier or because it's harder i just am um and i don't know he didn't really respond much to that answer but uh but that was all i could think of to say in the moment it was like well it's not about easier or harder for me anyway that was just a weird moment but most people I've yeah. met lately are pretty supportive, but maybe that was just such a gay male, like gay cis male environment that maybe that's why I got that. I don't know. Well, and I also like from my own experience anyways, and maybe you feel like this is true, but like we were quarantined for a year where we probably didn't like intentionally expose ourselves to like lacking by like, you know, uh, a lack of bi literacy, you know, the folks who mm-hmm. just didn't understand folks. Uh, by folks. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it is kind of a a thing that we have to like remind ourselves to some, because I haven't faced many of those little microaggression moments in in the last year and a half. Right. Right. Um, Right. Because I'm around like bi people, queer people, like very queer leaning communities. So. Right. um, We haven't been in those spaces. And and likewise, that guy hasn't probably been in many spaces where he would come across a bi person, even though. There are so many more bi people lately coming out, especially young people. But like, when are you going to meet them in quarantine, especially if you're not seeking it out intentionally? Like those random run-ins at a giant club were not happening until recently. So, so I, yeah. you know, I, I set Sorry, him straight a little bit. I set him, yeah. I set him by. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a nice pride. Um did, I, did did you see bisexuality celebrated in Pride at all this year? I mean, I saw it a little bit. Like I went to I went to Pride Fest down by Union Square on one of those days in the afternoon with my sister and her girlfriend, and um, there was a there was a decent amount of bi flags and people in bi shirts. Like I definitely noticed it. It's still a small percentage overall, but I noticed a decent amount of bi stuff. Did yeah. You? No, I definitely. I do feel like the the spike. I almost noticed, and maybe just because it's it's the the more notable change was was trans flags being out everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Just because they, there's been even more erasure, arguably, of of the trans um, community in in past prides. Um, but yeah, I think both trans and but I I did feel like a, a notable shift towards bi and trans um, communities this this past year. Um, which is good. I feel like that does lend some credence to the belief that there's like more thoughtfulness going on to the, these events and, and folks. Um, yeah, I think people have, have done some good change, you know, in their like organizations, in their um, like event creations, you know, all, all of those, those things feel like more thoughtful this year. Yeah, I agree. I do see more inclusivity, like targeted inclusivity and like, having those flags there and, and the pan flag too. And the trans flag, especially I've seen a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which Inclusivity is, is in, it's, yeah. it's just in this year. Right. It's so and trendy, that's sort yeah. of, 
I I feel like that is like I I say that almost sarcastically, but it's also like I think that people can make money off of like actually appearing to be um, inclusive in new ways, right? right. Like Black Lives Matter signs, about. depending where you are, like get you more customers and more like loyalty. And I think the same thing is true with bi flags, trans flags, pan flags, right? Yeah. Um, events. I mean, catered fuck, specifically fuck to doing us. that to make money, but better than not doing yeah. it i mean and and totally. what you're doing is is including more people and so whatever if that makes you more money it's not a good reason to do, to do it but hopefully no. it'll have a good, a good overall but effect the, anyway exactly if the effect is there like we we can acknowledge the positive effect um and also like yeah maybe question their reasoning a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly So this leads quite nicely into our first topic of the day, a topic that I have been wanting to discuss, which is a little bit about this bi-pan stuff, and then I want to get into gender fluidity. But let's start with a little bi-pan discussion. And I know that we have discussed this before, and we've kind of talked it to death, but I want to bring it up again, because I saw um, some tweets that I loved. So... Uh, I, I don't know if you've all heard of Shiri Eisner. We've talked about her on the podcast, especially last season, that Jacob Engelberg episode. So Shiri Eisner joined Twitter uh, sometime a couple, a few months ago. I think she had been on it. She left. She's back. And I know Twitter is kind of can be a hard place to be, especially if you're like queer activist. You get a lot of bad takes. You get a lot of hate. You get a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about, thinking they know what they're talking about. But I still like have loved Shiri's presence on Twitter. It has been really like amazing to see her wade into some of the like tired tropes about bi stuff that that appear over and over on Twitter and to like offer her perspective. She wrote notes on a bisexual revolution, bi notes on a bisexual revolution. Amazing book, highly recommend. She's like an activist and scholar on this stuff. She's great. Now, what one of the things she tweeted, I actually can't find the tweet. So this may not even be her, but it. But I've been thinking about it ever since I saw it. And it was something about how, like, um, you know, when we def- when I as a bi person talk about bisexuality, I like to say that it has historically been trans and non-binary inclusive, uh, and that like yes, pan can mean pan means inclusive of all genders as well but bi has historically meant that too. And, and I think what I implied when I have said that is like, we don't need pan. And I, and I don't want to imply that. I think that was wrong for me to imply. And I, and I wouldn't have said that. I mean, I think people who identify as pan, that's great. I do. I identify as both. To me, they're very overlapping. But what Shiri or somebody tweeted, I, I can't ascribe it to her because I can't find the tweet, was basically like, no, a lot of bi people have been open to trans and non-binary uh, attractions for their whole lives. But historically, the bi movement has not been explicitly open to that. Yeah. And that's why the pan movement kind of started and has pushed bi to, to do that explicitly. And so it's actually really good that that the, the word pan and that label came into existence because the bi movement, I think, has responded very well, has kind of said, hey, actually, most bi people are interested in people of all genders, too. And that's 
that can be part of the definition of bisexuality. Bi does not mean two. Bi means one or more, or two, but two or more. Two or more. Oak's definition, two or more. Um, one would be monosexual, which is not bisexual. Um, but like, so to, to the bi community's credit, we've moved the needle and now are making bisexuality explicitly trans-inclusive. But, but, you know, to say that it's historically been that way is not actually true. Um, and she, that Shiri also tweeted two things that I want to read. She said, here to say that bi-pan solidarity is a thing. Bi isn't inherently binary and identifying as pan isn't inherently biphobic. Wasting time debating etymology instead of talking about our oppression is useless and unnecessary. Could not agree more. <laughs> like, I, I do think we waste time talking about, like, why these are different and you should use one or the other. You can use whatever you want. They're both great. Um, and Shiri also tweeted, historically and currently, many cis bi people have been more open than other cis people to dating trans and NB people. Many bi people are trans and NB. Knowledge and practice are created through our relationships and in turn feeds back to bi-cultural openness and exploration. So I don't know. I just I just like where her head's at on this. Um, and we can be open and honest about the history of the bi movement. And and like, you know, we not we don't have to like make up that we've always been inclusive of everything as a movement, but we are moving in the right direction. The community and the movement has always been like open, uh, open-minded, in my opinion. Like that's sort of something that defines it. Um, and, and right, like everyone with a fluid non-binary sexuality or gender, like it is so much more important that we stand together and find common ground than that we divide ourselves up, like identify how you want. That is great. Whatever describes you. But at the end of the day, we're in a movement together. Yeah. That's, no, that's I my appreciate rant. all of <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate all of that. And I think um, as you've been talking, yeah, I think I think the, the one point that ironically or strangely enough, uh, uh, like stands out to me the most that you said is the idea that like this is not a, a like essential conversation for like common like dialogue with folks, right? When I'm just sure. like t- talking to people about like what bi is, like I they don't need to understand all of the flaws in various protests in the past right like that that's not important and i think it's the same thing with like you know that brings me to this idea that like i see this conversation very akin to like the conversation about white feminism and like do you see white feminism talks happening like in every space that is trying to be more affirming of all people of all genders and sexes no but do we also need to at some point all acknowledge that black women have been historically left out of feminist conversations for for literally a century um you know more um obviously mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know it's it's not so different and it do, it's not about uh yeah it's not about like the the movement being like flawed at its core it's about the movement needing to it evolve and thankfully evolving right 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 exactly right like we can do both things at the same time we can walk and chew gum at the same time and we can like exactly we can stand together and fight and talk about our mutual oppression as all like non-monosexual people and we have to fight back against patriarchy against 
white supremacy, against like biphobia and panphobia, whatever. At the same time, we can sometimes talk about like bi and pan and the movements and like making each other better and sort of making sure that like we are more inclusive, uh, even if like perception is not reality, like we can have those conversations as long as it doesn't detract us from the this movement that we're that we're pushing towards like this, the movement of solidarity to dismantle all those systems of oppression like that's that should be yeah. number one and then like these these interesting little like spats between us like fine but let's not get too distracted by them right yeah well, and keep it in the family, like keep it in the yeah. by, like that's, that's by people's problem. It isn't by plus people's problem, right? Including by pan people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, do straight and, and gay identifying folks need to be a part of that conversation? Really? Like, no, like, you know, not at all. Um, you know, they can help us get the word out, obviously, and everything. But um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really valuable, uh, yeah, thought process to, to carry as a community. Yeah. Cool. Well, and this is also very related to the other thing I wanted to talk about today, which has just been on my mind a lot in the in the pandemic. The sorry, the thing that I won't name, and and just especially lately, like, but just gender fluidity in general, and and trans and non-binary identities, and and the relationship with bisexuality. Um, I feel like I'm seeing it more. Uh, hearing about this more, especially from young people. Like, it was something that was on my mind at Pride at this party, because, like, I think two years ago, I went to a specific, like, trans, non-binary, gender-fluid party, and it was so fun, and everyone in there was, like, gender-bending in some way, from small ways to, to big ways. Um, and then And then I noticed at this party at Pride that, like, there were a few people presenting their gender in like non-conformist ways but but only only a small percentage and my partner moxie is non-binary and and was dressed kind of femme at that party and and like i was so proud of them it was great and i felt very lucky to like be there with them because i like that like i've i think i've always been attracted to people kind of somewhere in the middle of the gender spectrum whether it's like more masculine women or more feminine men or just like any kind of non-binary presentation that combines shit. Um, Like I saw like, you know, bearded women at the, at the party two years ago. I thought that was really cool. Um, But I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot because of, because of my partner and what is the relationship to bisexuality? Like, you know, does fluid sexuality open up more space for fluid gender? Does fluid gender open up space for fluid sexuality, like within relationships or just within people, you know, um, I don't know. That's been something on my mind. Have, have you thought about that at all? Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, I think I've thought about it in like very different kind con- like, I feel like I've had similar conversations with folks, um, just in a different context because, uh, Trevor actually, we, we do like a, an annual st- survey of our youth, um, and one of the questions or one of the findings rather this year um, released recently uh, public knowledge. Everybody can kind of look this up and, and see more. Um, but was that one of the findings was, was that one in four queer identified LGBTQ identified young people does identify as non-binary in some wow. form. Right. One in four. And wow. like, 
Yeah, and like one in four is like a, a huge number, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's why it stand, stood out to me when I heard it because I think, um, you know, we're we're starting to to learn a little bit more about what non-binary actually means, like right, all of the different ways mm-hmm. that folks can be non-binary. Yes. Um, right, like how how many folks do I know personally that that use he and they pronouns or she and they pronouns and identify mm-hmm. as non-binary and try to make that a, a real, um, yeah, I'll try to verbalize that part of their um, identity, make sure that the folks know about that um, because exactly. it it is helpful to them in, in understanding and presenting their gender effectively or, or truthfully right. rather. Um, right. Yeah, I think that, I, I don't know if you've had similar conversations about that, just diversity totally. within that, that community, but totally a hundred percent. Actually, you've touched on exactly what I was going to say next, because that's kind of exactly what I've been thinking of. And like, it reminds me of when you and I first met, maybe not when we first met, but as we, got to discussing stuff I remember we talked a lot about how like you and I were both pretty comfortable in our maleness like as identifying as men like I feel like a cis man I never felt dysphoria I never felt uncomfortable with my gender identity in my body but at the same time the more I learned about bisexuality and queerness the more I kind of don't care to be identified as a man like it isn't a vital part of me like it's neither uncomfortable nor necessary and like in some ways I don't like what masculinity entails in many ways and especially like as it relates to patriarchy and like being dominant and on top of a chain like I fucking hate that uh and so you know I think you and I have talked about like might would I want to use they pronouns like would I feel comfortable doing that? You know, do I want to come out as non-binary? Like I wrote a play during the pandemic about non-binary person who presents very masculine and, and like, you're right about how there's different types of non-binariness and it's all, it's a, it's a big spectrum out there. And uh, like my partner Moxie's non-binary identity is very different from, you know, if I were to, to do that like it's very different from me because like they do identify as trans they have felt dysphoria um and like i want to read this i want to read this um instagram post that i thought was really good because it identified sort of at least one major difference um in different types of non-binary people and it's like a call to action i want to read it because i it, it, i've been thinking about it a lot it's from an account called transsexual dreamboat <laughs> transsexual 2s transsexual dreamboat and the post says this i'm just going to read the whole thing it's a couple slides if you use she they or he they pronouns and don't identify as trans this is for you consider putting in the work to insist that people also use gender neutral pronouns for you in work settings private life and public life especially when in exclusively cis places. If you identify as non-binary but have cis privilege, which would be, I mean, I don't identify as non-binary, but I'm thinking about it, but I would, if I did, I would have cis privilege. Practice challenging gender-based assumptions in all the spaces you occupy, not just the ones that feel easy. Our trans siblings or those of us who use they, them pronouns exclusively 
are exhausted and isolated by having our identities constantly disrespected, invalidated, and not taken seriously. It's a privilege to be able to use multiple sets of pronouns without feeling dysphoric, and not everyone has access to being able to shapeshift their way out of transphobia and binary-based violence. You might have more capacity than others to challenge transphobia and set the groundwork to protect those who are the most marginalized among us. For example, I use he and him pronouns almost exclusively now, but will still make a motherfucker they me if they get a little too comfortable seeing the world through that cis vision. Love to see the she they's and cis adjacent people turn up for trans liberation and put in the work. So I love that and I identified with it so much because my partner uses they them pronouns and like I think they they switch to exclusively using they them during the pandemic. And as we've been seeing people in person, people have been fucking up and getting it wrong. And they know that, that they use they, them, but they will still say he. And like, I correct them, Moxie will correct them, but it's like annoying. And, and to me, it's annoying, right? But to, m- to my partner, it produces dysphoria and it can be traumatizing. And so like, it is fucked up. And I try to step in whenever I can to correct it, but like, I don't hear it every single time. I'm not with them at all moments. And so it makes me, you know, in solidarity almost like I want to change the way people look at the world, which is still very binary. They're not used to they, them. They're they're like, it takes people a while to wrap their heads around it, which is fine. It can take you some time, but like, got to wrap your head around it eventually. And like, I kind of feel like sometimes I want to use they just to push people to do that, right? Like that post said, like to push people to not look at the world this way. And for me, I could do that without dysphoria. And I, and I try to do that when it comes to my partner, but like, I'm starting to get like annoyed enough that I want to do it myself and just like push the cis straight people I know in my life to, to like knock them out of calling everyone he, him or or, mm-hmm. or she, her, and like knock them out of seeing everyone as one of these two genders. It's like, ugh, it is getting kind of exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a complicated conversation for me, I think, in some ways, because one, to, to immediately respond to one thing you, you mentioned, um, a, a person very closely uh, related to me uh, did want to ask, and I, I think it's worth flagging here so everybody listening is aware too, that like, there was this like concern over like, well, why don't they just have like a different set of pronouns? That's not yeah. plural too. Yeah. And it's people keep let us just say too. clearly that, that like they, many folks go by pronouns that are gender neutral, that are not they, them. Um, there is Z, 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 Z. Like there, there are other pronouns that have been kind of tried and tested over the years on a larger scale. Right. Um, it hasn't picked up the steam in, in, I think, the way that people seem to want it to have to make their mm-hmm. life of not having to see they them as singular um to make that easier for them i guess i but just let it let it be said that they them theirs is now the most the, the easiest to implement in gender neutral pronoun so we are yeah. gonna stick with that um yeah. <laughs> most likely on like a large scale right um yeah and and, and it's not that hard like i no. get that it tricks your brain because it's plural and it's not singular and like but you will get it quickly if you are with people who you care about and you practice it a little bit. 
You, you can get it. Someday, um, another episode, we should talk about two-spirit stuff, because I'm learning more about that, and I think it's fascinating, but I don't know enough yeah. yet to talk about it right now. But this, this stuff has been around, and not only around, but celebrated, not stigmatized. Like, that's a gift, not some mm-hmm. kind of curse. And, like, and in modern society, it's difficult. It's like, not... I'm just saying it is a gift, right? Like, the, non- yes, <laughs> the non-binary or or gender non-conforming folks that I know, like they have understanding of themselves and in the world in like ways that many cis people simply, simply just don't (laughs) like, and I don't want to say that like universally non-binary people are better than cis people, right? Like that, although we could advocate (laughs) that as a non, non non-binary person. You don't have to say non-binary. It's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll argue it any day, but, but just like DM me if you want to have that conversation. Um, no, I agree. But, Non-binary people are very special. It's like a unique, it's a gift. I think it's great. Well, because it it forces a, a level of like reflection, just right. as I think the both of us have, have been through in some ways, right? Right. It's why I think queer people are better than straight cis people mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. certain ways, because yeah. we've done a lot more work, you know? Yeah, um, right. Right, it allows very you to get in touch with... Work, right? Right. It you it allows you to break free of the labels and the boxes and get in touch with yourself and figure out who you really are without constraints. And that exactly that is not yeah. easy to do in this society we live in. And if yeah. you are able to do that and come to a non-binary or trans identity, like that is like a superpower, honestly. And yeah. I identify as cisgender. I have always identified that way for the most part um similar to you I, I think i was like exploring they them pronouns at a certain point but point being i i want to kind of briefly speak to my experiences with that just because i think it's important to i want this podcast to be like an advocacy platform for non-binary bi people right like this mm-hmm. it's really important i think of to, which there are many I, like many in the exactly. bi community identify as non-binary or trans and there's so much yeah. crossover okay go ahead well and i, I think that it's important and i say that because i think it's important for folks who don't identify as non-binary to talk about times when they've considered a non-binary identity or considered they them pronouns because there's a difference right like it's not like this is a phase this is an exploratory thing like i for example explored they them pronouns because i was being i was feeling really frustrated with the binary that exists i was feeling really frustrated with the ways in which i felt like if i were to walk around in in heels i would be assaulted right like it those kinds of feelings of of uncertain there's a lot of femphobia just like wrapped up in that too but um internalized and otherwise um Mm -hmm. but but the point being that I, i like for me it just ended up not being important at the end of the day. I mm-hmm. realized that I, for me personally, and it's, it's, that's why I said it was a like complicated conversation earlier, because I think like this idea of using they, them pronouns, even if you use he, him pronouns to say, like, it's hard because like, I don't, I don't want to claim an experience that I, I don't relate to fully. Right. right? And I, I don't want to claim this, some. Um, some like historical oppression that is not mine to claim. And in fact, like I I am a cis man, like I I don't have any right to, to claim non-binary identities. Um, And when I realized the amount of privilege that I still had, the amount of passing privilege I would still have, I I think it became really hard to like feel comfortable with the idea of using they, them pronouns. 
And I also realized that much like you, and I think we've said this very clearly to each other on here, like being a man means absolutely nothing to me. Like it, it, in it, I think it's important for me personally to just like to live that gender identity where I, yes, I'm a cis man. And also I will paint my nails. And if I'm in feeling safe about it, I'll wear heels. I will, you know, do whatever I want because I think there are absolutely ways that in an ideal world, I would be presenting far more feminine. Um, And also it's far easier to present as masculine. So I default to that 99.9% of the time. Um, But I say that just because I think often non-binary people get treated as though they're, they're just kind of like making some political statement. And like, it's not that like, I, like I, I am doing that sort of within my own identity and like the experience of the, the experience of claiming that identity of your own as your own is just something wholly different. And you're taking on a much larger, it's not just like some fun niche, like thing you get to say about yourself. Right. It's like a very, go ahead. I don't, okay. Okay. I agree. I agree, but I want to push back a little bit because, because if there is a wide spectrum of non-binary identities, yes. like yeah. maybe there is room for somebody who wants to identify that way for political purposes. Like, I don't know if we want to say that's different categorically because yeah. if that moves the needle and makes a non-binary society like, or, or, or pushes us in that direction, you know, I want that. And so, but I guess yes. in the, on the on the flip side i feel exactly like you i mean we have a lot in common and some things not but we have a lot in common which is like i do feel like a cis man and i don't want to claim an identity that that isn't really me and that i don't have the right to however i do want to look for ways to smash the binary and to knock people out of looking at everyone as he or she and so like i don't want to claim that identity just yet but I do want to look for ways to move the needle in, in ways that yeah. do feel authentic to me, exactly. um, you know, with the privilege I have. So I don't know. Well, yeah. I, I don't know where I am I on you. that. We'll see. It's a tough, con- I don't know. It's a very, because like, I think reframing, like for me personally, it's far more the, the pronouns like aspect of that conversation, defying the binary is, is just not an important for me personally. It, it doesn't mean anything. It feels like I'm putting on an act often. Like it feels very uncomfortable to me personally. And I think yeah. that's, that's frankly like why it was very easy to be like, nope, I'm I like, just use he, him pronouns. And I will also ensure that you are properly gendering everyone around me at all times. Like, right. Like that right, is a right, commitment right. that I make that like, no. And if somebody uses multiple pronouns, if they use he, they pronouns and I'm introducing them kind of without them present or something, right? Talking about somebody, I will like bring up the fact that they use they, them pronouns as right. well, regardless choose of they. what pronouns. Like, like if somebody exactly. uses he, yeah. they, I feel like in my life, almost everyone will just use he, right? If you say I'm he or they, 99% of people will use he. So you know what? Yes. I'm going to use they where for people who say it's okay. Like that's, it's like that Instagram yeah. post said, like, 100%. okay, if you're opening yourself up to that, Let's let's fucking do it. Like, let's force people to contend with this, especially people who are not in queer circles all the time. So, like, do do this at work where with you, all your straight people like do this in straight yeah. groups. Like, so I think that's good. And and just to bring it a little full circle back to the the yeah. bi stuff, because 
as a bi podcast. But yeah, I do think sometimes. there's, you know, there's overlap. Like there's so many bi people who are trans or non-binary. There's so many trans or non-binary yeah. people who are bi. But there's also, if you're not overlapping, like there's a nice relationship there that opens space for people. Like I think in a relationship with a bi person, that can open space for someone exploring their gender to really explore it without constraints and to not feel like they're going to be turning off their partner in any way. And and on the flip side, I also think like, let's say that you have a straight person who I know, I know some straight people starting to explore with trans or non-binary people. Um, like And like, even if it's just like a little bit different than a cis straight person, like, it is opening people up to different experiences and is, and it, you know, it even allows straight people to reflect, okay, like what about masculinity or femininity do I find attractive? What is necessary for me and what is not? Oh, like what might I like there to be some fluidity in, even though most of the other straight people I've dated my whole life have, have conformed to this. And so I think in in both directions, it opens up some space in a nice way. Yeah. Well, and I think it like there is there's a tie between this and the idea that I personally, for example, don't date straight women. I don't date straight cis women. And I do that because there's no there's no like allowance for me to like or presumed allowance for for me to be anything other than a straight man. Right. It would box you in. Right. And that's where. For me, like my non-binary, the the non-binary aspects of my identity come out and like need to be with somebody. And that isn't to say, right, there could be a straight cis woman who is fully understanding at some point, right? But, it, uh-huh. but like for simplicity's sake and for, for like understanding my own, what I'm looking for in people and such, it's been really important to kind of hold that boundary to some extent, um, which also is like a huge like pain point of my own bisexuality that it's just like I'm writing off a huge portion of the femme leaning pool of people in this world. And it's, you know, I think people will often see that and say that I am like gay leaning for that reason. Right. Uh Which is ironic because I also don't very often date gay men. Right. (laughs) I like very much. Right. And I I think there's like just a lesser, Mm -hmm. Um, experience there because at least they're queer identifying so there's a little bit more of an end to these conversations often um interesting but yeah Yeah. i see what you mean and it also is like it's almost like um uh, if you're dating a straight woman who's down with you being gender fluid or gender non-conforming like that person could almost claim queerness like that to me that is what queerness is is an openness to fluidity or non-conformity and so like yeah i i don't know i mean i guess well, technically, that's the point you don't have to identify as queer or bi if you're just open to that but want to date cis men but like that's that's the that's the yeah. first step toward, toward a queerness open-minded view of the world yeah exactly and that's why bi and non-binary people just there should be an alliance between yes. those two communities in big ways. And hopefully season three can be a little bit more of an opportunity to, to like create yes. that here too. Yes. Okay. This is, this is going to be a long fucking episode, but whatever. I'm done editing. No more editing this season. Okay. <laughs> you have a topic. What do you want to talk about, Alex? What's been on your mind? 
I started thinking a lot about um, what what kinds of steps I'm taking when I'm like looking at like the kinds of identities that I want to date and the the kinds of people I want to date or or even meet. Um, and it just got me thinking about some uh, about the idea of like chasing, right? I also rewatched Transparent, the the show, which has like a, a chasing kind of arc in it. Um, mm-hmm. The brother, right, yeah. is like is like in a relationship with a trans person. Is that the thing you're talking about, or what are you? No, talking about? one of the one of the other siblings, Allie, was like oh. chasing a trans person, right? Mm, um, right. The point being that that there are real dynamics between, especially between like bi communities, frankly, or, or bi like questioning communities, even. Um, and this idea of like chasing trans people. And I've, you know, mm-hmm. premiere of this podcast, I said that I moved to New York to sleep with a woman, right? That's literally, <laughs> I know what those are words that I said. And I like stand by that as my experience in the past, unfortunately, right? Um, yeah. But also like to the act of like looking for people solely based on their identity, right? Um, is just such a bizarre especially in this last year of reflection where like i haven't been chasing anyone i haven't been like you know that that's not been happening um mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. a, a chance to just like reflect on all of the different ways that we you know think about all of the people that you've had like i've never dated a blank person mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or right. and like i want to try that, that implied and that implied like initiative to to like try that right um mm-hmm. Black people are often, especially within queer male communities, are are very often framed that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mixed right. people are often, mixed race uh, folks are, are often treated that way just because they look maybe ambiguous, right, and mm-hmm. racially in ways that are, are super harmful to, <laughs> to some of these communities, right? Yeah. Um, and on the other coin, something that I've been thinking about is the fact that, that like bi people are also chased in some ways, right? And like we we talk a lot about the ways I that wish. we're like turned away, uh-huh. and I'm not saying yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's universal, right? But there's there's also dynamics where like I know that if I say I'm bi, I'm going to attract like some small portion of yeah, people yeah. even more, right? right. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean we have it easier. <laughs> going back to your your statement earlier, yeah. um, no, the, especially it's, it's like it's like gay men, right? Yeah, who like think who exactly. like think it's hot, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and that's I, the I've, point I've that it's that. it's Oh, you're bi, you've been with women. Oh, that's so hot. Like Yeah. Like Well, yeah. and that's because There's something about frankly that. what they're really saying is like you're sort of straight, right? Like you're the closest thing to straight that they and in actuality they probably assume that you were straight identified until recently, right? And you're in your bi right. phase and you're going to be gay soon, right? And they're catching you right. in your most straight time of your life. Or right. something. I don't know. Right, and and, but, and I've heard this thing a lot of like bi guys. I mean, sorry, gay men who want to like suck a straight guy's dick. Like that, you see yeah, that on Grindr exactly. a lot. Like looking for yes. straight dick, and like they want to turn somebody or they want to give somebody this like new experience or feel. Like I don't know, maybe it makes you feel kind of like powerful to like do yeah. you know be that for for a straight guy. Um, which I don't know. I kind of get it. It's complicated. Like I. I I was I was on the receiving end of that when I first started exploring. Like I, that was who yeah. I ended up with was probably chasers, like straight straight chasers in a way, right? Like yeah. I want to give exactly. this experience to. I, I don't know what that is though, because I've never totally felt it myself. Although I do like hooking up with 
other bi people or meeting other bi people and stuff just because of the shared experience, but not because of like, yeah, I want to turn someone or like get mm-hmm. something out of it for myself. Yeah, but it's this like fetishization of folks, right? Because like in, in some ways it's, yeah, I, I, maybe in all of these cases, right? Like you could term it as rather than chasing, just like fetishization in some sense, right? Um, like I, I know someone, I've interacted with somebody recently that like identifies as straight and we just were like talking about it too, but I like identifies as straight and puts straight on his profiles and everything and like very much sleeps with like probably more men. I was from what I was hearing more men than women in this case uh, um, uh-huh. was also like a very binary conversation, not to contradict our earlier conversation, but um, so he identified as straight on like a gay dating app, a straight dating app, a something like field that's more queer. What do you mean? Yeah, I think it was, I don't know which apps that he was on, but I, I think it was field and something else, but it field, I think was mentioned. Um, uh-huh. but point being that like this, this guy, like very, and like we had like decent enough rapport that I felt like I could go there where I I just like asked, like, so you identify as straight, but like, like, what does that mean to you if you're, you're doing like, you're sleeping with men, right. <laughs> and you're, uh-huh. you're pursuing men. Uh-huh. Um, and he kind of gave a non-answer. Right. And I think in the, the non-answer, um, not to go into specifics of what was said, but like it felt to me like it was somebody claiming a straight identity in order to become more like more uh desirable you know, easily to pursued certain, more desirable exactly desirable to a certain demographic yeah, yeah. i mean I, exactly. I i guess i know what that's like because that that was me for some amount of time and we've talked about this a lot like in season one with with dr jane ward like about yeah you know what it means to be having sex with men and identify as straight, you know, to combine those two things, which I think is much more common than people realize. And maybe mm-hmm. some of these guys are like figuring stuff out and maybe we'll come to a bi identity like I did pretty quickly. But but I kind of get where that guy's coming from, even though he has a non-answer, maybe he's still figuring shit out. But it's like, if you identify as bi on Grinder, you're going to get different kinds of people contacting you and different kinds of requests than if you identify as straight. If you identify as straight on Grinder, you're gonna get those kind of chasers who like want to, like it's gonna be about you, right? Whatever that experience is, cause you're like the newbie or whatever, like, and you will get people offering like a blowjob or something and, and not as much like a, a real date or something yeah. mutual or something that could continue. And so I think it's like, maybe that guys like that, like your friend are, sort of looking for a, a limited experience for now, but maybe that's a window for them yeah. into well, something it, else. I don't know. And to speak to it a little bit more too, like the when I say it was a non-answer, the thing that really stuck out to me and I didn't say was that he identified, he had identified as straight, like, but actively pursuing men for, for more than two years, right? Like a, a pretty long period of time, which is, uh-huh. It's not to say that somebody can't be like kind of hovering between straight and by kind of figuring it out, questioning, right, for that long. Uh-huh. But it like very much didn't seem to be right. Like he, he was pretty comfortable with the fact that he wasn't straight in some way, mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like it felt to me like it was exploitation of of like a straight identity 
to get more opportunity with men, right? Mm-hmm. With queer men. Yeah. Um, which like maybe that's an unfair read, but I that is certainly a thing that exists out there, right? It's a, a thing that I've seen in other contexts too. Um, yeah. This is just one example that it felt especially, uh, especially present. Um, Interesting. But bringing it back, and I'm curious what you. I don't know if you have anything to say about this too, is it, because I mentioned like black folks, bi folks, or, or mixed folks, right? Um, and I feel like that's the thing that I'm really like hung up on, where it's it's like been not that it's something I've I've liked because I I hope I've never appeared to be like chasing somebody for in that way because it's just like a, a like that's super I don't know that's that's like the cringiest most harmful. Um, way to pursue someone like it, it to disabled people often are are literally treated this way by a select portion of the population too um, and it's gross like I stand by that this is this is just like the grossest thing but also something I think that we need to like kind of question about ourselves at times sometimes when we say that we when we like start figuring out types right like what is our type right. uh-huh. and I feel like that is a related conversation that it, it's like the step one where you think you're kind of assembling a type and then sometimes it can hedge into like a toxic territory where what you actually just said is you don't date Asian people yeah, and yeah, yeah. you right. are looking specifically for a black guy and then maybe also specifically a trans guy. And it's yeah. like it like those that's like a natural evolution of like this yeah. hyper fixation on like what your type is and, and what um specifically you're looking for so right i don't know well it's like i don't have a question but what do you think i I can i'll just talk i i think it's like finding this line between like attraction and fetishization or like you know preferences versus disqualifiers and like and like it's okay to be have attractions and pursue but like chase you know then it can veer over into chasing which can be not cool. And like, I guess in just in my personal experience, first of all, I don't think I've been chased as a bi person much. I think if anything, no, it's been the opposite. And like when I put bi on a, on a dating app, like I think my responses go down overall. Maybe there's a certain segment of gay men that are more interested, but I think like, especially with women, yeah. I get less contact i kind of want to put straight back on there as a test and see if that's true but uh for me personally like i have been with people i you know types of people i've never been with before you know quote tried new things and like every time it's like the label of whatever that thing was whether it's like a race or religion the sexuality a gender identity like I'm like going into it like, oh, I've never been with that before. And then it's like, doesn't mean anything. Like they're a unique person yeah. and they're diff- they are different than anyone I've been with. Everyone I am with is different than anyone else I've been with. And you can't put it point to one as- facet of them or one label that they have because everyone has mul- many labels and many facets to them. And like, and like every time it breaks the breaks any assumption I had, like, oh, I've never been with this type of person. It's probably going to be like this. Okay, no, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It's just a unique thing and it's a unique experience. Like, and, and to me, 
the personality or how they relate to me or their interest in me or like their authenticity or not it is what I really respond to or connect with. Like my type is, yeah. is, is authentic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you can authenticity have types, is key. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. Like you can also have exactly. Types. Yes. I agree. Yeah. You, but when that it's type, okay to have that, but when that type is like very, like when it becomes specific to the point of like pointing out races or, or, or right. Like different people of literal, like based on their skin color, like, yeah. yeah, it becomes toxic. And, and I think, um, and like the, and- the no Asians thing is like the biggest piece of it. Right. To look at the other, like the, the, the opposite side of it, right. Of, of like identities that you're avoiding rather than chasing. Right. Like that's exactly what we're I talking about. And I feel like yeah. being, by people and the reason why I think it keeps coming up as because I was thinking about this episode and, and launching season three um, and the reason it comes up is because I think that by people and non-monosexual people in general are like often noticing that more in themselves because they're already questioning what they're yeah. looking for in, in the strict yeah. picture of what we are looking for in right. some way right, right? like mm-hmm. at one point I was always imagining a woman and then I was always imagining a man and now it's just like this weird queer time of like loosening up that imagination of of the person right. that I'm supposed to be with to right to like go far beyond any identity right and and uh that doesn't right. make me in my opinion it doesn't make me like more evolved or better it just makes me like much happier when I'm like uh-huh. look actually connecting with people because it yeah, but affords me but far better opportunity work. Exactly. Right. You've done that work. And and most bi people, if they're come to terms with their bi identity, have done that work with gender, right? Like we've we've analyzed that, we've looked at it, we've determined, okay, gender is not a disqualifier. And once you've done that, I think then you start to look at all these other labels uh, of all the things you're talking about. And, And even if you did have a preference or a disqualifier before, you might then go, oh, wait, like, was is that real like why is that disqualifying maybe like gender it it isn't and like i think so many people who have a disqualifier it stems from like a bad experience or something in their past that they didn't like and and like that's a generalization and a stereotype and like maybe you did have a bad experience with a certain type of person but that doesn't mean you will again with the next type of person like the next person who looks the same or or has the same gender identity or whatever, like people are unique and, 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 and we hold on to these things. Right. But, but there's no real reason to like, you never know who you're going to meet. And the more disqualifiers you have, like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like it's, you know, Oh, my hard drive is almost full because this episode is going on so long. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Okay. Yeah. Well, but the point being, and the re- reason I feel like this can be brought up in the same conversation as the the earlier conversation about non-binary gender and, and sexuality is, is is just the fact that like all of this comes down to like breaking out of the boundaries that like we have either placed on ourselves or are placed on others, right? And I feel like it's 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 about breaking out of boundaries. I feel totally. like yeah. Okay, so let's let's move on a little bit at the end of this. Uh, I want to do some some questions from the viewers. We've had a couple questions. 
we'll, we'll do like a very short answers on some of this and maybe we'll continue it in the future. Um, yeah, maybe new topic well, ideas. A lot of questions have come in. I'm not going to read them now because we will just get too deep into it. But a lot of questions coming in about by married people coming out within a marriage, coming out within a monogamous marriage. Um, and so, okay, we're going to save that for later, but I just want to say that's going to be a continuing topic. We will talk about that more. Yeah, we will talk sure. about coming out within this stuff. And in my oral history project, I have been interviewing people in monogamous marriages who have come out to their spouse. And it's still a very valuable and important thing to come out. Not that anyone, not that you have to do it, especially if like it may end your marriage and you don't want that. But in with people I've interviewed, it can be a very positive thing, even if you want to remain monogamous, because it's about being open and and free and and like honest and authentic with your partner. Okay, I said I wasn't going to yeah. talk about that. Then I did talk about it. But but moving on, here's one for you. Then this isn't a question, yeah. but I also asked for topics that people want to talk about. And one of the topics someone suggested, which you mentioned early, was by romantic aces. Yeah. What are your thoughts? On, do you, like, what can you I can you uh, d- define that for us? And is that does that define you? And what's do you have any thoughts on bi romantic ace people? Yeah. Well, so to be clear, uh, you know, bi romantic ace folks are folks who sexuality is is probably a smaller portion of their identity in some form. Right, having sex is is less of of the desire in their relationship, and and sexual attraction, and therefore is less of it. Um, but they very much have like romantic or or other attractions to people regardless of gender, presumably. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, yes, short answer. This is in a nutshell, very much me. I hundred percent identify as biromantic asexual. Um, the asexual has always been kind of like an asterisk sort of next to it. The biromantic has sort of had an asterisk next asterisk next. Oof. (laughs) I can't talk. Um, say asterisk 10 times fast. Yeah, no, I don't. I never want to say it again. Um, point being asterisk, that, asterisk, yes, asterisk, that, asterisk. that very, that very much identify, I very much identify with uh, by romantic uh, asexual. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard conversation because I think the hypersexualization of bisexuality is often mm-hmm. the first thing people think of. And, we yeah. like define ourselves as bi based on our sexual attraction often. And it's, it's really tough when you realize like, okay, but like, what about when it's just the other types of feelings, the other types of attractions that are not like proven in a bedroom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I want, I mean, it goes without saying, I want a whole episode about that sometime this season. So please. Good, Cause I have, cause yeah. I have a lot of thoughts and questions about what you just said, but we don't have time and we should do, we'll, we'll we should do a longer yes, much discussion more. on this. Okay. Here's another one. Somebody asked about subtle by identifiers. Like what have you seen or used in the wild? Like for instance, whenever I'm at oh. a high level business consulting meeting, I make a point to have painted nails ever since a to- coworker told me they noticed it. So, so actually like, the painted nails, I've just, I mean, mine are kind of fading. I had them for pride, but I had these blue nails for pride. And it was the first yeah. time I had nail polish. And I have to say, I love it. I love wearing it and looking at it. Like my, instead of looking like nothing, now my fingers look yes. nice and have color. That. Like I just like looking at my fingers. I like that other people notice it. And so many people have commented on it. 
100% positive comments. Like so many people say, oh, I like your nails. Literally no one has ever said anything negative to me about it. That's some of like my white male privilege, but, but it's been all positive in New York. And like, I, I don't know. I just like that. It's this queer thing I can do that, that pushes boundaries and like, why yeah. can't boys wear nail polish? Why is that not a mask on thing? You can still pick your color. Yeah. Like I pick fucking blue. That's like the traditional boy color. That's another story. Why is that? We can get into that later, but like yeah. you can pick whatever color you want. So like, why is the concept of color on your nails, you know, not masculine? It should be. It is. I have a purple shirt. Yeah. You can wear a colored shirt. That is masculine. Like anyway, I want to smash this one. So nail polish is my thing at the moment. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I love talking about the the fact that nail polish is something that men should be wearing. Like men do use it more often. I feel like nowadays and, and every man that I talk to, I don't know. I love wearing nail polish. Everybody does. Your nails are doing literally nothing right now. If they're not painted right now, look down at your <laughs> fingers, realize the lack of opportunity that you're taking advantage of. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. or the opportunity you're not taking advantage of, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, Yeah, so that's a good one. And I feel like that's for a lot of like queer identified folks. Um, I also think like jewelry, though, is is another thing. Like I'm I'm talking from a mask of center Mm -hmm. like place, obviously. So um, often my like, I you know, bi identifiers or whatever we're going to call them here um, are often like femme features of sorts. but yeah, having like rings on that are not traditionally mm-hmm. like thinner rings often, uh-huh. like I feel like are a very like queer, queer symbol of sorts. Yeah, agree. I've been seriously yeah. considering getting my ears pierced lately because yeah. I was trying to find clip on earrings for pride and they're very hard. Oh, you do? Is yeah. that you? Can you pierce? No, me? no. I oh, you like have had 45 plus piercings in my life and most oh, of them okay. were from the same person. So you like, I actually yes. know a guy. Okay, maybe DM I'll do me. that. I'll, I'll tell you. Does y'all it where hurt? To go. Is it gonna hurt? No, it doesn't. It's not that bad. I'm like a child. Okay. It's I'm, like I'm three seconds of that. pain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If anyone's I curious, I had at ma- maximum thirty piercings in my life, like my- at once, and I had fifteen or so others. So wow, wow. Yeah, there's far less metal in my face than there ever was in the past. So it's a really exciting wow. development. That's something to aspire to. I think I'm almost ready. It is not. I, I no? will say that it is okay. not. No. Okay. Uh, two piercings. I aspire to two. One in each ear. Yes. Maybe three. For now. Maybe three. Three is a good number. But, we'll okay. See. Back okay. to the questions. Last question. Uh, and we could do this every episode. Any like buy stuff in film, media, TV that you've seen no. recently that you want, that you like? Oh. People always ask about this. It's a... I no, assumed that question. was a you question, but that can be a no. Question somebody, now too. I mean, I didn't actually read it. Somebody said, "On the lighter side, what films or media are in your by head canon?" Ooh, I like the way that they phrased the question more than the way you. Did. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I did just watch Love Victor, the second season, no. and I was excited by some like evolving by conversation. I was, and I say that with the That's preface good. of the the first season, in my opinion, being. Ex- extremely unbi extremely gay centered which was like very disheartening but i feel like season two was it was starting to to and it just gave me hope that we can like trick some gay people into or like gay leaning viewers to um to to maybe view something that's hedging on by um maybe i'll continue watching oh wait 
I have to, it did, I don't know if this is included books, but I'm going to say a sure. book because I just sure. read the most Some amazing Some people still by, read books. Yeah, we should all read this book. It is, uh, it's a YA book, but it's incredible. Um, I literally have it in front of me. It's The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. It was like mm. a huge book a couple of years ago. Literally cool. the best by representation in a YA book that I've literally ever seen. So cool. All right. That sounds yes. great. I'm going to check it. that out. It's like historical cool. fiction, but it's it's wonderful. Cool. Historical um, fiction is wonderful. I didn't mean to include the butt. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, cool. Uh, I've been rewatching Big Mouth. I still think Big Mouth is doing like great mm. stuff. It's not always perfect, but I really like the bi and the trans storylines they've they've had. I think they're very real and like challenging and interesting. Um, I don't know. I watched Loki, which the showrunner said Loki is by, but like they, I mean, there's one scene so far that I've watched where it's made explicit and it's like under his breath almost. It's like barely. It's like, okay, great. I'm glad that's there. Better that it's there than it's not there. It's of course, Loki would be bisexual. Like that makes perfect sense. But like, you know, they're not going to like, do storylines about it because it's Disney. So I get it. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, same with Feel Good. I just watched the pilot of that because Ooh, Shiri Eisner. I was about to watch it. it. Yeah. I, you know, Shiri Eisner got me to watch it because, because like, and and I agree with that the, the analysis that Shiri posted, which is like, it's about a bi person, but they barely bring up bisexuality. Um, you know, it's not like explicitly dealt with the way that I think it would be if a a woman, it's about a woman who's only dated men and then, you know, starts hooking up with this, uh, woman who's like kind of masculine presenting is, but like maybe like a tomboy, but is a woman. And like, you know, when I went through stuff like that, it was a topic of conversation and it is not a topic in the pilot. It doesn't, it comes up that she's only dated men, but the word bi doesn't come up and other stuff. So I don't know. I'm going to keep watching yeah. it about a bi person, but but we'll see. Yeah, I think that is proof. This is all proof that we're starting to like move forward. We are getting past the point where like, you know, where a bi character can be in there without being like the bi show, the bi movie, the bi book, right? Right. And I think that it is in, like we've said it on here. So I personally love depictions of bi people that have nothing like heavy handed about them yeah. so this there was sounds a good conversation me. about this too it's like okay i agree with you yes we need that but we also don't want that in place of like really head-on specific buy stories we need both yeah. so like exactly. yes i completely agree it's great to have characters who are by where the plot does not derive from their bisexuality the more yeah. of that the better but we also still need to see the bi experience represented fully and to see people going through the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, because that is not out there. We have not seen that yet. I mean, we've seen it a a few things that we've talked about, but it's not as prevalent as bi people are in the world. Like we, there are more bi people, but percentage wise than there are bi stories on TV. So I still think there's a ways to go. Anyway, okay, uh, that's all we have time for. I think we got to wrap it up. This has been a lovely long episode. We're going to do much less editing this year, so you're going to get a lot more great long content and long episodes. Aren't you all excited? And just like, you'll actually hear what we really are like. I feel like, you know, yeah, some more (laughs) candy. Did you enjoy us not so polished? I wonder. Let us know in the comments or don't. Yes. Uh, 
Well, okay. If you liked us, let us know. If you liked it, let us know. If you hated it, be quiet. Due to the less editing, we're going to try to put out episodes much faster than last year. More than once a month. Maybe once a week. We'll see. We've got some great guests lined up, some awesome people. I won't reveal them yet, but we do have some amazing guests planned. So stay tuned um, and enjoy the rest of the summer. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Two Bye Guys is edited and produced by me, Rob Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our music is by Ross Mincer. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman, and we are supported by the Gotham, formerly IFP. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys.